Connecting for positive change. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Battery Cafe, where we will be discussing different chemistries for anodes and challenges to scale up manufacturing. I'm Juan Maria González Carballo, a member of the Chemistry and Industrial Biotechnology Team and Innovate UK KTN, and hosting today's episode alongside my colleague Debra Jones. Hello, Debra. Hi, Juan Maria. Um, it's lovely to be joining you for this. This is my first episode of uh, Battery Cafe podcast, um, and I also sit in the Innovate UK KTN's Chemistry and Industrial Biotech Team. Hi, Debra. Thank you for joining me today. For those of you who haven't listened to our previous episodes, the Battery Cafe is an initiative of the Cross-Sector Battery System Innovation Network, a community funded by Innovate UK KTN and the Faraday Battery Challenge. The Innovation Network aims to open new markets for the battery industry, promote innovation in batteries, and help decarbonize a wide range of end users. If you haven't already, go check out our online platform at ukbatteriesnetwork.org. You'll find lots of useful material and our previous episodes on investment in batteries, batteries recycling, market trends for solid-state batteries, electric vehicle fire safety, and batteries for off-highway vehicles. Our special guest today is Alan Groombridge. Hi, Alex. Please, could you introduce yourself? Hi, guys. It's uh, great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. I'm Alex Groombridge. I'm the CTO and one of the co-founders of Echion Technologies, which is a company commercializing new battery anode materials focused on safer, faster, and longer-lasting lithium-ion batteries for generally industrial technologies um, and installations. Thank you, Alex, for joining us today. Please, everyone, make yourselves a coffee and join us. As I mentioned at the beginning, today's topic is anode. Alex, we hear a lot about the UK's cathode and catalyst experience, but not much about our anode capabilities, and we know that the anode plays an equally important part in the design of a battery. Could you tell us which materials are currently used and commercialized, and what are the desired properties of these materials? Of course, yes. So, um, as you say, cathodes are, have been the biggest focus so far for, for quite a long time, normally because of the cost <laughs> and sustainability implications of materials such as cobalt. And anodes have started to become a little bit more popular, uh, especially recently. The main three materials which you'll sort of come across in a standard lithium-ion battery are graphite and carbon-based materials, silicon or silicon oxides and hybrids with graphite, and a material called lithium titanate, often shortened to LTO. Now, with the graphite-based technologies, this is your, should we say, standard technology. It's the cheapest. Um, it's used in most devices, sort of 90, 95% of devices out there use a form of graphite and to store lithium ions. And it's often used for sort of low-cost or high-energy um, applications, really your standard lithium-ion battery uses, uses this technology, and then it's paired with various cathode materials that you may have heard about before, your NMCs, your LFPs, which are becoming popular as well. They're all covered there. Silicon, silicon oxides, and hybrids with, with graphite then focus more on the higher energy style of batteries. And these are commercial today um, with mixtures with graphite, and they're also got some companies who are trying to look at them as 100% silicon um, nanomaterials. Now, they're really interesting because um, they have such a high potential capacity to store lithium ions. You can have energy densities that are huge step change compared um, to what we have today. 
uh, but they do suffer for some limitations, which I think we'll get onto um, uh, later on. Finally, you've got lithium titanate, um, LTO-based uh, material, um, which is really exciting for high-power, long-life batteries, but it is quite a niche uh, material today. So it's used in things like um, some industrial applications. It's used for fast charging batteries. You can fast charge it in a few minutes. Um, you can last for sort of 10 times longer than you would with a graphite or silicon battery, but it has limitations as well, which, which we can come back to later on. And that's kind of the, the main three technologies that you'll find in lithium ion batteries. When you consider things like um, sodium ion or solid state, it's all quite different. So I'll, I'll stick to these ones for now. <laughs> we can always come back to the others. So thanks, Alex. You mentioned some um, limitations. Uh, obviously, most materials you have to have, or well, they have some limitations and you, uh, you often um, enhance one property at the expense of another. And when you're doing any sort of modification. So uh, do any of these materials have particular challenges that are critical to overcome as we move to a sort of more electrified um, energy system? Yeah, they, they certainly do. As, as you say, in the battery world, um, everything's a trade-off, uh, depending what you're trying to get towards. Sort of four main metrics, um, which I'll focus on are your energy, so how much energy you can store, energy density, I mean, how much energy you can store in a given mass or volume, power, which can be many things. So a full charge, like fast charging, fast discharging, or it could be pulse power, putting your foot in the accelerator, for example, or um, things like this. Cost, very important. Um, if you, make, you can make a wonderful expensive battery, but uh, <laughs> no one will buy it. Um, and lifetime, how long How long does it last? Um, of course, there are others, but those those are the main ones which I'll focus on. If we think about a graphite anode material and it's used in the lithium ion, battery it's it's definitely the cheapest technology um, out there in terms of sort of dollar per kilo cost of the material itself but also how you put it together in a battery energy density it's it's pretty good it's sort of middle of the middle of the road fairly reasonable power density it's renowned for having great discharge power you can discharge it very quickly but it has severe safety limitations when you want to charge um, quite fast um, and that's because going into a bit of the technical detail. And um, if you have lithium ions um, basically bombarding the graphite material at very high rates, um, you end up with lithium ions transitioning to become lithium metal due to over potentials um, in, the, in the electrode itself. This causes lithium dendrites, which you may have heard of, which can cause short circuits, either you know, in, the, in, the, in the least um, impactful way, this can just be shortened lifetime. And then the worst, this can lead to severe battery failure explosions and, and, and things like this can happen. So they're often fundamentally limited in terms of um, power, like your Tesla supercharge at 4C charge, so once in 20 minutes, but don't do it too often because you'll damage the battery. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that comes mm -hmm. because, of, um, because of this primarily. Um, and lifetime graphite is sort of, again, it's middle of the road. It's, it's fine. It's, it, it's all right. It's um, hundreds of cycles to a couple of thousand cycles um, is, is what we typically think about. Silicon then is focused on higher energy density. It's, it's a lot higher than what you would find for a graphite-based system on its own. That's why people look at blends or 100% silicon-based materials. Very attractive for sort of driving your electric vehicle on a single charge halfway across the country, <laughs> for example. Um, and power silicon materials can be quite good, 
Um, uh, however, they have this severe limitation in terms of lifetime. And this is due to when you lithiate these materials, they have a different mechanism. Lithium is alloyed with silicon, causes a huge volume expansion where the whole material expands and contracts repeatedly as you cycle the battery, which can lead to severe um, degradation of life. So normally they only last for a few hundreds of cycles um, in, in use, which often is fine for a high, high energy style of application. Lithium titanate then, um, as I said, it's excellent in terms of power. You can charge, discharge, um, excellent in terms of life after you've optimized it um, to, to mitigate things like gassing taking place. You can have tens of thousands of cycles potentially from this material. However, energy and cost are its limitations. The material itself has a fundamental limit for how many lithium ions you can store inside it due to the nature of the material, its crystal structure, its composition, its redox chemistry. And that basically leads to higher cost um, as compared to the other materials when you want to use it in an application. Um, you could work, but then half of your vehicle would be a battery, <laughs> for example. Um, so, Alex, it sounds like that we know that batteries are a reasonably well-developed technology. However, they aren't without their challenges. So we understand that there are efforts going on to develop and improve the properties of these existing materials. Um, but would you be able to tell us a little bit more about new families of materials to be, being developed um, and what advantages they bring and challenges that they solve? Of course, yes. So um, new chemistries, that's that's where a lot of focus, um, focus is, from cathodes to anodes, solid state, um, semi-solid state, sodium ions, the list goes on. <clears throat> For anode materials, there's a lot of efforts to improve existing materials in intelligent different ways or change how they're actually used to mitigate some of these problems. Um, for example, with graphite materials, there's a lot of work in how to mitigate the problem of lithium dendrites through how you use it, maybe operate it at a different temperature, <clears throat> maybe have separator materials that prevent lithium dendrites from going through the material, maybe modify the material itself with various coating technologies or so on to try and stop this so it's more sort of treating the problem <laughs> um, if you like um, with uh, with silicon um, these materials are still well under development for sure and um, the volume expansion challenge is a real um, real difficult one um, but there's a lot of progress being made there's a lot of startups that started sort of 20 years ago that are now some of the biggest companies out there in the battery materials world um, companies like silent nano in the us i think is one of one of the biggest um, so the work continues there and how to mitigate that technology, um, uh, its challenges, particularly with regards to how you manufacture batteries made from it, because there are typically some, some changes you have to make if you want to go for full silicon-based uh, technology. Um, lithium titanate has been around for, for a reasonable amount of time. It's, it's not in a huge amount of material development so far. It's more around the system then, so mitigating problems of generation of gas byproducts um, and so on. When we think about new materials, um, there is a bit of interest in looking at um, hard carbon and soft carbon-based materials, for example. Um, sort of higher voltage materials than graphite, so you can potentially get around dendrite formation and access higher charge um, based materials. But then you have um, challenges with um, side reactions and lithium loss um, when you first charge and discharge hard carbon based materials. So there's a lot of activity there on people trying to explore slightly different carbon based materials and see how they, they could potentially be used. 
Um, otherwise, then there's um, materials, um, particularly for my interest at Echion, um, based on materials like niobium. So we're looking at mixed niobium oxide um, based materials. Niobium-based materials are quite interesting for these high power style of batteries. Uh, so looking at providing the same benefits with the lithium titanate technology in terms of power and lifetime, but providing much more competitive energy density and cost. And there is where it's really a brand new development from the very beginning, looking at material formulations, designs, rather than trying to mitigate a problem that exists with a, with a new technology. But as compared to cathodes, there are less options out there um, today for sort of brand new materials discovery. Thank you, Alex. It's been really interesting to hear, I mean, yeah, yeah, the, the comprehensive overview you're providing both on chemistries for anodes that are currently commercialized, but also those ones which are being developed under development, for instance, the, the niobium you mentioned from Echium. Thinking about the different chemistries, I mean, batteries can be applied into different sectors. Are there specific formulations which are probably probably more appropriate for batteries within specific applications? Definitely, yes, definitely, for sure. Um, when we think around the biggest market out there that's, that's growing passenger car EVs, um, it's primarily driven by cost um, and sustainability, for example. So it's really, it's a challenge because everyone operates on, on quite a small margin for such a high volume application. So for those, really the formulations people focus on are things like graphite based technologies, graphite mixed with silicon, try and improve that energy density, bring down the size of that battery pack that you need such that it still fits what people need from, from a car. However, when you consider things like um, uh, premium devices like, um, uh, you know, wearable earphones or, or things like this, then people look for more performance. It's not really a race to the bottom in terms of cost mm -hmm. and volume and looking at things like raw material supply chains. Then it's, all oh, I'd love a fast charging um, earbud or I'd like one that lasts for two weeks or something like this. So for, for, for sort of premium applications, it's more depending what you're looking for, graphite, silicon, LTO, niobin-based materials or otherwise. Um, then when we think in terms of um, more niche markets than passenger car EVs, these sort of industrial use cases, heavy goods vehicles, mining trucks, trains, marine, um, if all of these need to be electrified, that, that's quite a substantial amount of battery out there. Still a drop in the ocean compared to passenger car EVs, but um, for power batteries at Echion, we consider that almost a 100 gigawatt hour market in the future, since it's quite substantial. And for these, um, there currently isn't a solution that works really um, from an economic point of view. Um, the energy batteries don't last long enough, can't charge fast enough, um, not safe enough. Um, and the power batteries are too expensive and can't have enough energy. So a new solution is needed um, for these types of applications where you need them to last for a long period of time. And then it gets even more complicated when you begin to think around raw materials where it's quite a hot topic at the moment, especially with conflicts going on um, as well. There's not enough raw materials around. <laughs> so uh, it's a big competition over who can secure what, who can work with who <laughs> to get what they need for, out, for their application. So re really the answer is there's no one fit solution for every application out there. 
In fact, there's a lot of opportunity for performance differences for different market requirements. Um, so we saw the exciting announcement back in uh, December of Echion's new partnership uh, to build a 2,000 tonne per year manufacturing asset to supply anode-grade niobium oxides. We were just talking about um, you know, securing material supplies. This is a really exciting announcement. Um, however, as anyone who's ever tried to scale anything up uh, will know, this is likely to be a pathway with, you know, is it fair to say, some hurdles? Um, Alex, would you be able to share um, what and what challenges that you anticipate uh, facing when you when you look at scaling up this material? Yeah, it's um, I would say it's not easy. <laughs> this is the main <laughs> thing um, for any new new material out there that's sort of not a modification of existing. When we started Echion, we were originally making um, milligrams of material in a day, <laughs> which is if you imagine it's sort of you, a few grains of sugar, <laughs> kind of that kind of size of material. Um, last year, we were sort of made in excess of, of about 10 tons um, of, of our material. It's been quite a journey to go from <laughs> a tiny, tiny lab scale um, up to that sort of small pilot large lab. And now we're um, working on a 2000 ton per year um, supply by 2024. So there's huge challenges here where it goes from technical um money financial um you know risk and and ge geography of where you put it <laughs> sustainability um and just making sure that um, there are people to buy the material at the other end um as well and all of it has to match up um in the middle i would say one of the biggest um one of the biggest challenges in in doing this is that it takes a long time <laughs> to build a facility. Uh, and so you've got to do it at the right time scale with the right expertise in, in place. So for example, we partner with um, we partner with a company called CBMM in Brazil who mine and refine niobium-based products. And by by doing so, we we cut down that timeline to get to the end result because we can both work on our respective um, expertise points and at the same time it gives huge confidence to our customers and to the market that the supply will be there um, it's going it's in line with our forecast so it's on the one hand it's a technical challenge of well, you know we've got to do a scale up of you know 100x from <laughs> from where we are today it's been done before we will certainly get there um, but on the other side and um, we've got to make sure it happens in in good time before the market um, changes um, and so Lining all of that up is, I'd say, one of the biggest one of the biggest challenges, especially in uh, such a global um, <laughs> global market. Yeah, definitely, Alex. So, I mean, wish you, I mean, all, all the best. I mean, with I mean, with that partnership, I'm, I'm moving forward. I just uh, wanted to thank you, uh, Alex, for joining us today. Today, it has been really, really interesting to hear your views on on the different chemistry that are both, you know, develop or under development for anodes for batteries, as well as the challenges, I mean, for scaling up manufacturing. Thank you, Debra, for co-hosting this episode, and thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as we did. Don't forget to visit our online hub on ukbatteriesnetwork.org and register to receive our news and updates and participate in the networking area of the hub. Our next episode will focus on battery storage. Until then, Goodbye. Connecting for positive change.